to the Family Movie Night podcast, where we want to help you have better conversations around the content you consume. Uh, my name is Nathan, and I am joined, as always, uh, by uh, one of the greatest friends I've ever had, uh, a hilarious, always, always got something to make me laugh, Mr. Ronald Donald Dorsey. Donnie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Things are uh, things are going good. Like the weather's been pretty good, outside of the small uh, freeze warnings. But I'd say we're all good. Well, there you go. There you go. Yep. And uh, we are not joined today by our our usual co-host. He had a conflict when we were filming this morning. Mr. Sawyer Hewlett will not be joining us. I cannot introduce him as the villain of the film, which I guess is either uh, Russians. Or maybe Jim Crow South. So he can't, <laughs> he can't be that, but uh, he he is joining us in spirit, which means he's not joining us at all. But we are glad to uh, have him. As always, I cast him as the villain of every film. But Donnie, why don't you go ahead and get us started about what it is we actually do on this podcast? Absolutely. So on the podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that matter. And the goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have routine, regular times of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And movie nights are just a great opportunity to do that because movies, and especially the movie we're going to be talking about today, are they're not only an easy way to, to share laughter and joy together, and sometimes even more difficult emotions like fear and sadness or kind of this uh, uh, righteous anger that sometimes comes up when you see injustice in the world. And you can have those conversations in a safe environment of your home or wherever you're watching it. But they also give you a chance to talk about what matters most to us in a way that is meaningful and memorable with our children. And so on this podcast, we not only want to recommend some movies you could watch on your monthly movie night, uh, but we also want to give you some ideas of meaningful conversations that you could have with your children during or after the movie. And today we are talking about a movie that there is a lot of uh, a, a richness to uh, it's the movie Hidden Figures, which is available on Disney Plus. So if you have Disney Plus, you can watch this with your family. And this weekend that we're releasing this is going to be Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. So what a better time to talk about the civil rights movement and all of that than by watching this film as a family. But before we get to that, Donnie, uh, tell them something else that they need to know uh, for this podcast. Yeah, so we want to remind you to like this video, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, and follow us on Facebook. And if you're a parent who calls Community Christian your home, we have a lot more helpful content to you available on our parent Facebook group. All you have to do is go to our Facebook page, click on the tab that says Groups, and find the Community Kids Parent Group. If you click Join the Group, you'll get regular updates about events for your family around our church, as well as articles, videos, content that will help encourage and inspire you as a parent as you raise your children to love Jesus. We hope to see you there. 
And so, as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your list of things uh, as a parent that you'll feel guilty about not doing because most of being a parent is just feeling guilty about the things other people are doing that you aren't. We actually are trying to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together and spending time together, building memories, and having meaningful conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation, we really do just want to keep things fun and light and help you think through simple and easy ways to not just share memories with your kids, but share your love of Jesus and his way of life, his kingdom above all other things. So let's get into talking about this movie. Uh, Donnie, we are talking about Hidden Figures, the 2016 film um, that is, as described on IMDb, an upbeat, inspiring tale about the role that three African-American women played in the NASA program during the early 60s. And in particular, this is the Mercury 7, John Glenn, first man to orbit the planet, that particular mission. Um, and, and the three women that we follow here uh, that are just uh, critical to that mission succeeding um, I'm going to make sure I say all their names correctly. Catherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson. Um, and so, Donnie, what was your experience? This movie came out in 2016. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Um, I think when I first saw it, I'm pretty sure it was in theaters. Um, and I remember just kind of thinking, wow, this is kind of interesting because there's so many of many stories that you learn about like space and about like historical events, but you don't necessarily hear about all the people that are involved. And a lot of times it's the people that made the biggest difference. Like, I mean, some people will say, hey, well, people are interchangeable because as long as they have the same skill set, but some people, you know, without them there, you wouldn't have had the results you did. And yeah. that was very apparent in this movie yeah. because, you know, we have, you know, people that are really good at like calculating stuff, but when you have someone who can do it on paper mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, with a computer, it's like, it's a whole different thing. So I definitely enjoyed every bit of the movie. Well, and I think uh, it, it's funny to me on the IMDb because one, this is a movie that takes place obviously during the civil rights movement, during segregation. Um, they make a point at one point that uh, Brown, uh, you know, Brown v. Board of Education has already happened, mm -hmm. but this takes place in Virginia, and Virginia is not recognizing that. There's a whole plot point around um, a a African American woman who needs to attend what is at the time an all white high school, and even though Brown uh, versus Board of Education has already happened. Uh, the judge is the one who gets to decide whether it happens or not. And so um, this could be a movie that is very heavy. Mm -hmm. um, there certainly are a lot of civil rights movies that for obvious reasons have to be very heavy. But the movie is very upbeat, uh, but also very inspiring while not shying away from kind of the daily indignities of being um, a person of color, a woman of color in the 1960s, working in primarily an all-male environment, mm -hmm. but also all-white uh, all male environment, um, and just kind of the indignities. But so it's able to kind of, I think, very expertly handle all of that with some humor, yeah. but not, not dismissing it. I don't know, Donnie, is that how you felt with it too? Yeah, they, they didn't use it as a way of poking fun at anything. Everything, the moments that they had that were lighthearted and comical were genuine, like, 
relatable moments. Right. They weren't just like, hey, we're putting this in here so that you're not overly like in your heart and like feeling very heavy in the movie. They do it at moments that make the most sense. Right. Well, and I think what's great about this movie. So I'll say this. I think this movie is appropriate for children of all ages. I don't think there's anything in this movie um, content wise that I would say, oh, you might not want your kids to see that. I will say the movie's a little long. It's uh, for young kids. It's right at two hours. This is the second time I've watched this movie with my girls. Um, they have loved it both times. They got more out of it this time because they're about a year older than the last time they watched it. Mm -hmm. They've done a little bit more school. Interestingly enough, the week that we watched this, their history kind of social studies assignment was about Ruby Bridges, who is the first girl, a uh, black girl to attend a, during the time of desegregation to attend, um, a desegregated school. And so they kind of had all of that very much fresh in their mind. Yeah. And, um, I think the context was easier. So I could see that with younger kids, you might have to explain more of the context because they may not be aware. Donnie, yeah. what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think um, because as, you know, of course, as kids are older, like kind of in your teenage years, like you kind of have an understanding of the world around you a little bit more, a little bit of a grasp of the things that are happening. Um, but yeah, definitely from like a younger perspective, like, cause my kids are like seven and, at the time of this, we'll probably be uh, of a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the the thing about it is that there are certain points where they could miss them because they're very subtle. Oh, yes. Because they don't do it overtly like, hey, look, this is happening. But they let you know, hey, this is the times that we're dealing with. And it gets some really good opportunities for you to have a conversation with your kids and be like, Hey, do you see any, does this look like something, you know, that you've seen in another movie? Or do you feel like, how do you feel about this? Like, how does this make you feel? Right. Well, and I think the film does such a good job because you said that about it being subtle. Um, it's a movie that if you don't have a lot of context, so if you're a young kid, uh, you know, a school, young school age, kindergarten, first grade, you don't have a lot of historical context for things. Mm -hmm you might only pick up on certain pieces and you miss some and it allows you as the parent to kind of control uh, what part of the conversation you want to have and mm -hmm. what you want to talk about, what you want to explain um, because you could go very deep with things or you could, you could just kind of talk about it in terms of, you know, there was a time in our country, like the, so the conversation I had with my girls to try and help them understand was there was a time in our, our girls know, um, about slavery already. They already understand that the context of that, obviously they can't understand everything that goes into that. It's such a complicated thing, but they certainly understand the idea that when I said there was a period in our time, in our country's history mm -hmm. where, um, and my family, just for people who are watching and may not know my family is, uh, because we have, a we've adopted, we have two of my daughters are biracial both black and white but uh definitely uh their their skin tone is darker so they can understand by looking oh people who look like me weren't able to do things that mm -hmm. uh people who look like my sister uh who is very fair skinned they would look at and say and i would be able to say you wouldn't have been able to go to school together you mm -hmm. wouldn't have been able to use the same bathroom which is a whole plot point in this film yep. so i was able to explain that concept to them and they all understood 
the unfairness of that. Now, obviously, not every family is made yeah. up like my family's made up, but I think those are concepts a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old can understand. I like that point you made about the bathroom because it's it's such an underlying plot point, but it's such a good illustration to show a very subtle thing that shows you about the differences. Right. Like, because, you know, she had to use a separate bathroom. This is um, Catherine, um, which in the movie is um, the, they call her the computer slash calculator. Yeah. My kids thought that was very funny. And I was like, that's why we name, that's why computers are called computers is because they are digital versions of a human mm -hmm. <laughs> who yep. used to compute things. So it's just interesting. They had never heard that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, okay, that's I, I like the way they worded that and everything. But yeah. yeah, like the whole bathroom thing, like I thought that was a very subtle way of doing it. They showed, hey, look, even like this woman is doing the same job with all these other men that are in this room, but she has to work twice as hard and not just in the work she does, but physically in her environment, she has to work harder. Like yeah. she has to run halfway across campus to go use a restroom that's designated for her but yeah. she doesn't use that as a crutch she right. doesn't get she doesn't like go hey well if this 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 and this she says okay i have a job i'm not going to make a reason why i can't i'm going to make an opportunity why i can't well and i think to your point there donnie which is huge and this is a great theme um in the film is really this idea and it's it this is a cliche but i think it really works with that idea of bitter versus better like yeah. i can be bitter because of this or i can be better and you really see a very christ-like attitude in the face of oppression and mm -hmm. suffering that is i can either choose to withdraw and become very bitter about what's happening or i can choose to say uh, and the way i said it to my girls is you just stand up for what's right exactly you just stand up and you say, this isn't right. Because I think that's what the film does so well. So the first time you kind of see it, and this is where the film crafts things so well, it is played kind of humorous, mm -hmm. right? She really has to go to the bathroom. She has to run across. They've got this great Pharrell song that keeps yeah. coming up over and over again. And it's very lighthearted and kind of funny. And they're playing it, I think, for laughs. Like this is, you know, you see her, she's kind of running. She's trying to hold everything together. But then that happens a couple more times. And every time it happens, it's a little less funny. Mm -hmm. And it's a little more frustrating. And then there's the time she's in the rain. And then there's the time she gets in trouble about it. And eventually we see she just breaks. Mm -hmm. She just breaks and kind of unleashes everything. And uh, I will say it was in a way like, and I don't like, you'll have to kind of tell me if I'm, if, uh, if I read this correctly in the sense of it's like, it seems like a form of a righteous anger because hundred percent, because when she's dealing with it, she didn't go and blame people. She said, look, here are the obstacles I'm facing. Here are the things that I'm having to do in order to do the job that you want me to do. And the thing that keeps me from doing it as efficiently is this obstacle that, you know, it takes away from, you know, you think about it running across the campus. She said, what was it like a half a mile or two miles or something like that? Yeah. And she, I don't remember that. exactly, but yeah, but yeah, she had to run this distance to get back and forth. So she loses probably a good, hour or more of the day just just going to the restroom yeah you know and then she stays late to do extra work to make up for it yes. so when she got upset about that whole situation i thought she handled the way they the way they depicted her on screen she handled it so well 
Well, and I think I think that's a great example of what you're talking about. And I think it gives us such good abilities as adults to talk to kids about what you said of of what what anger rightly looks because there's so much in our world that either says anything you do if you're angry is okay because you're angry what are you going to do about it or you should never feel angry and anger is bad and you should stuff that down and never feel it but this idea of being able to say whenever someone is being treated wrongly Mm -hmm. or unjustly or unfairly that feeling you feel in the gut right is compassion Mm -hmm. and it might feel like anger it might feel like the thing that makes you want to hurt people yeah. right because you someone's being hurt so you want to hurt back but what this movie does so well is say here's how you do it you don't stay quiet you don't just stuff it down and say whatever i'll deal with the indignities of this yeah. it's i'm gonna stay and i'm gonna work late because i'm gonna do the job you told me to do but i'm going to make it apparent to you yeah. That this is not okay. That And it's very prophetic. Now, that's not the word you should use with your kids, but you're really speaking God's truth in a loving way. You didn't you didn't direct your anger. She doesn't come back and say, you know, start calling them names and saying, you no. personally are the problem. She understands he didn't write the law that yeah. made it where, uh, right, Kevin Costner's character, who's the boss in this situation, he didn't make it. But the system that they all seem to be okay with, mm-hmm. that of this Jim Crow segregation uh, situation that you, that that Kevin Costner isn't doing anything about. You're yeah. okay with it. This is what's causing me to have to work harder than everyone else. She does that when the um, I can't think of his name. It's the guy from Big Bang Theory, Jim Parsons, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, his character who just doesn't like, and I don't even know once again that his motivation is necessarily racism as much as it is he doesn't like a woman. I think it's sexism. I think yeah. he doesn't like that. There's a there's a woman that's checking his math. Yeah. And he starts redacting things so she can't do her job. Well, she makes a point of it, but not by blaming him, by holding it up to the light, right? Figuring yeah, a creative yeah. solution to the problem. But she never backs away from it. Mm-hmm. She continues to say, this is unfair. This is unjust. I'm angry about it, but I'm still, but I'm not blaming you. Like, I think that's a great way to talk to our kids about, it's okay for you to feel angry when someone treats you unjustly. It's okay for you. And God wants you to speak up about it. Yeah, God wants you to say that that's not right. But there's a way you have to do it where you, the other person doesn't become your enemy. Exactly. Like, and there's another uh, part in that area um, where she works that I thought was such a cool little subtlety they did. Like when she first goes there, they show each of the people's faces that works there. And if you notice, their faces turn as the movie progresses. It goes from, why are you here, to this look of, you deserve to be here. And I love that subtlety. Like, I was like, wait a minute. Because when you see them, like you see, like they make a point to show everybody's faces while they're going around the room and looking at her. And like, they're like, "Mm, why are you here? And then slowly you see these people going, man, this woman's amazing. Yeah. Why wasn't she here sooner? Well, and you have those little indignities. We've already talked about the restroom, but I think the, I think what this movie does well is it goes, okay, the restroom thing, that was a, that was a law issue Mm -hmm. right none of these people none of these men in the room are necessarily responsible for the law but they're not doing anything to fix the law but then you also have these other things that these men are responsible for which is the coffee cup right or the coffee thing right these she goes and uses the coffee um their coffee pot Mm -hmm. and the next day when she comes back 
there's one uh, with a sign that says uh, for colored women or something like that. Yeah. Something is written very, um, they think I'm sure very professionally, but even the way it's done, it's like on a piece of masking tape or something. Yeah. Like it's not even like, it's not even a formal way of like giving it. It's like, Hey, this is yours yeah. and this is ours. And like, it's not even a way of, and the thing about it, like you said, kind of going back to like, the idea of understanding that this was made in a, during a certain period in that time, in their minds, they may have been thinking, well, we're just following protocols, right? This is what everybody does. But then they realize, wait, this isn't like they start by, while working with her, they start to realize this isn't right. Right. Like we need to do something about this. And I think like, that's such a, like a pivotal piece. Like it's just, you yes. see these little subtleties, but it kind of goes to like, um, and then it makes me think about how with Mary, like, cause they talk about like with the laws and stuff like that and how they're about her going to want to go to school. She needs exactly. To, she can't be, she has all the abilities you see in like her first, one of her first like solo scenes. Yeah. You see, she's the best engineering mind mm -hmm. better than any of the other men there. She figures out the problem with the, um, with the lander. I think it is something like that. Uh, yeah, the module, like the, the landing yeah. module that has all the little heat, uh, shields like are falling off or something right. like that. Yeah. And so and she, she figures it out. And the, um, the man who's a, uh, I think he's an Ashkenazi Jew. Cause yeah. I think he said at one point he was in a Nazi camp yep. and he talks about, you should go. And she's like, they're never going to let a woman who looks like me, be an engineer but he kind of pushes her and she's able to she ends up having to go to school to get the courses but go ahead so that's kind of the the backdrop of the thing yeah and that, i thought that was great because like if you watch her story like you know like when you see her like her first interaction like she's kind of sassy like and you're like okay well is this just her like pushing back on what she's encountered all her life but you slowly see the people she's been encountering like, you know, at the beginning, there's a scene with a police officer and she's like, hey, this is an opportunity because, hey, look, like, because there's a funny moment where they're driving the car and right. uh, she's like, look, hey, we could drive up really close to him and he won't say anything, basically. And I'm like, yeah, that was my that was one of my favorite jokes where she's like, when else are we going to have a chance for three black women or I don't know how she said three black women chasing a white police officer in the car. Yep. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it was so well done. I love that. And then, like, so she has her interaction, like, with her husband, who's, like, you know, he's kind of on the side of, like, yes, things need to change, but sometimes they're not always civilly. And she's, like, no, it doesn't always have to be a fight. He's, like, sometimes you just have to work within the system that's put in place for you. And, like, she she works through the system and she finds ways. Like, she didn't go, hey, I have to be, like, obstructive of justice. I can just be intentional about how I work through this system. And, like, so she did that with. She's like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to go to a courthouse and I need to appeal this because, uh, you know, the only way she was going to be able to be an engineer was to take additional courses. Right. And then she gets, you know, and she goes through this process and you're like, that's amazing. Like she had every reason to be upset. Yes. But she didn't use that as like, and it goes back like with, with Catherine, they had every reason to respond negatively, but they said, nope, I'm not going to do that. And like, you know, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, and I think what's huge here too is uh, once again in having conversations with our kids. So, so I think if you if you choose to watch this movie, and I really hope you do, 
I really hope you do. And I hope you watch it this weekend for Martin Luther King weekend and that you're able to have a conversation because they mentioned Dr. King at one point. Yep. Um, they mentioned, they mentioned kind of the movement is the way they talk about it. It's when they go to church. Um, and that's where she, there's like a, there's like a, a lunch afterwards. There's like a barbecue afterwards. Yep. That's where she meets um, Mahershala Ali's character mm-hmm. um, who in a moment, I just want to talk about the acting because my Lord, Mahershala Ali should be in every film. Just the best guy. I mean, just come on. He's such a talent. Like, I mean, yeah, it's funny because like this movie was made in 2016, but he was in other like movies and also other um, like television shows. Yeah. And this man's acting is like steps above people like he. And it's so subtle. Nothing yes. is showy about it. Nothing yeah. is big. Like that scene where he. The spoiler alert: He proposes to Catherine. Mm-hmm. Um, is so human is what I what I wrote down is Mahershala Ali is so human in everything. Like normally, I can watch most actors and I can almost see them making choices in their mind. Like I yeah. can see them being like, "And now I'm going to make this face because I'm mad." But like everything he does, I genuinely believe he's proposing to Taraji B. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's this vulnerable dude. He's a hardened dude because he's been in the military. You can tell he, and you know, in this generation, you know, he doesn't feel as comfortable showing his emotions and he's got to do this in front of these three little girls and her mom. And you can tell he's trying to walk that balance of like, how how you know how romantic, how vulnerable do I get? You can tell he's trying to fight back tears, but it's all just in a look. Yeah, exactly. And he, he does it effortlessly. It's it's yeah. amazing. So anyway, he's wonderful. I also want to say Janelle Monet, who is a fantastic musician. If you don't listen to Janelle Monet's music, I mean, you're just missing out. She's yeah. just absolutely wonderful. But she doesn't act a ton. But when she does, she's fantastic as Mary Jackson. Every time she was on screen, uh, she's probably has the least screen time of yeah. either of the three women, which I understand when you have Taraji P. Henson and Octavia Spencer, yeah. uh, you're going to give them the weighty roles. I get that. Yeah. I'm not saying that Janelle Monet was kind of untested as far as, as I, mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, that. I'm sure she'd been in other things, but I think this is probably her biggest role up to that point. Oh yeah. And so, and so I get it, but she's fantastic in this movie. Um, like you said, as this role of, each woman kind of takes the role that you can tell that different people have in response to persecution and oppression. She's a little more hardened and um, she's, but she's, I want to stand up. I'm willing to stick my neck out. I'm willing to be this. Whereas, uh, and you see all that in that opening scene where they're broke down on the side of the road and the police Mm -hmm. officer shows up. She's like, I'm not taking any lip. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to, stand my ground to say this whereas both octavia spencer and um taraji p henson are a little more like hey just keep our, let's keep our head down let's just not say anything yeah which i think are both very normal realistic responses you know yeah they wanted to be subtle they didn't want to they didn't want to ruffle feathers they wanted to keep the peace in the situation and i thought that was really cool and well, like it's, it it sets up the the character growth of Katherine Johnson, who's kind of been like, I need to stay in the background. I need to not be thing where she's willing to, at some point go, okay, now I do have to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then like, so, and like kind of going to that, I guess a segue, uh, the idea of like with Dorothy is if you watch Dorothy do this job for all these people and you like, she, she's trying, she's basically doing the role of a manager 
but not getting the recognition of right. a manager. And like she does that, you know, without complaining. And then she finally gets to the point where she's like, look, I'm doing this job, but you won't give me the title. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you see me doing it. And like she's leading what, like 30 to 40 employees yeah. and doing it without having issues. She's able to like manage it with no, no problems. And then she takes opportunities when she can. Not yeah. like, not like in this way of like, okay, well, hey, there's an opportunity for me to grow. Hey, there's an opportunity for me to learn something new. Right. And she does it. And like, it's never, hey, you owe me this. She goes out, she busts her butt to get what she needs to get done. And it just shows like a good conversation with our kids about like, when when you have an opportunity, sometimes you won't always get the opportunity that you should be afforded. But in those moments, sometimes it's just the hard work and like the tenacity can, to push through the opposition of things. And eventually you go from like, one way to being undeniable. Right. And it's like, this is the person for the job and you can't tell me anyone else. Yeah. Well, and I think what you see really in that scene too, is as a theme that I think is throughout the film, which is, um, and I think this is very Christ-like on what you're talking about. It's not just, um, when I'm in a position where because of, and it could be anything, right? Yeah. It could be my skin color. It could be, um, for them, it was also being a woman in a male environment, right? There are these things that I am disadvantaged for some reason, mm-hmm. right? For whatever reason, I am disadvantaged for some reason. They don't just improve their life. They're, they're, they're pulling others up while they do it. Exactly. Like, And I love the way she does that because she didn't go, okay, well, you know, since I'm not getting that managerial role, I'm going to hold people back. No, she was like when they said, hey, Catherine, there's an opportunity for you. I'm sending you because I know you're the best one for this job. There's always a level of encouragement. It's like I'm not going to like it's the idea of, um, you know, all like tides raise all ships. That was kind of the way that she went about it. She was like, if you succeed, we all succeed. Right. Yeah. Octavia Spencer, Dorothy Vaughn, that's really the role she plays because she first says to um, Catherine, who wants to once again stay in the background, mm-hmm. doesn't want to. That, that's what we see from the very beginning of the movie. She goes, you're going you being in that room is a blessing. You yep. getting to be in that room, you'll get to change people's minds and you'll see things. But then when Dorothy, um, once again, spoiler, but this is all history. You can look it up. The book that this is based on is fantastic. So if you want to read the book beforehand to get an idea, it's all great. But anyway, Dorothy Vaughn ends up um, figuring out how to make the IBM computer that they get for NASA, which takes up an entire room. And that was fun explaining to my kids that like, (laughs) what? because I pulled out my phone and said, what's here is 30 times faster than that computer and could do a a million more things than that can. And it's in my pocket and that took up a whole room. But you know, how things have just changed in 50 years on that, frontier but also um she ends up being the the only person who can make it work right and then when she starts talking about she goes they she finds out eventually this computer is going to take all the jobs that the the women that she works with um Mm -hmm. the black women she works with are not going to be able to have jobs anymore and she says i'm going to train them how to work these computers so they will have a job going forward 
She's looking out for other people. Same thing with Mary. Mary Jackson goes to set this legal precedent where she goes in and she talks to the judge and there's this great scene in the courtroom where she's like, you were the first to do this. I'm asking to get to my chance to be the first. And I got to say to my daughter, see, this was scary for her. This took a lot of bravery for her, but she did it not just for herself, but, and I told her it's the way our legal system works. Once one person gets to do it, there now is a precedent that other people can do it. Yep. And that's how things change. You stick your neck out. You, you take the brave step. You, an opportunity presents itself. And you may say, that looks scary. I don't want to do it. But if you're willing to step up, if you're willing to do your part, you can do it. So I love that, that, that it's looking out for others. And that's a very Christ-like thing is my, I live my life for the sake of others. Yeah. I think that's huge. So... Donnie, you made a point at one point when we were talking beforehand about this idea of, and it's really throughout the film, but this idea of hope, being able to imagine a future that doesn't exist, that no one else can see. And, and before I toss it to you to talk about this, I, I had made this a similar connection today um, uh, while I was doing my best thinking in the shower. Uh, getting, getting, getting ready to get ready for the day. And I started thinking about the movie again. I go, you know what this movie, one thing it hits on a lot, and I think this is intentional in the film is the whole movie is really about imagining something that doesn't exist. Kevin Costner at one point says we are making up math that doesn't exist yet. Yes. Yeah. The only way, because that's a whole thing that's, I think is so beautiful about the space race. They had to just imagine new devices, mm -hmm. new vehicles, new even just new algorithms and math that doesn't exist to be able to understand how do we get a man up into space and back down. But all of that is contrasted with all those firsts. Yeah. The first of John Glenn getting orbit the moon are happening at the same time that you have the first uh, African-American woman to work in this computational thing. The first African-American woman in Virginia to get to go to an all white high school, like all these other firsts. And it's like, they're imagining a world that doesn't exist yet either. And it's, it's really taking what is, considered widely probably one of the greatest American achievements in the last hundred years of NASA getting a man to the moon. And this is critical to that, right? And saying the civil rights movement and what's happening at this is equally, and what we know, even more important than that. Yeah. So Donnie, what did you see in the film that you said, because you kept talking to me about the movie's just about hope. It's just about yeah. imagining a world that doesn't exist yet. So talk about that. Okay, so there, there's two things. Um, the first one is kind of like a short glimpse of it, but then there's another point. So the first one I want to talk about is the fact that um, when the um, the astronauts come to, uh, was it Langley, I think it is? Yeah, this is in Langley, which I, that's actually interesting. I didn't know that. I, I, I always had in my head, and it's probably because of Apollo 13, that everything took place either in Houston or Cape Canaveral. So yeah, Langley, exactly. was, which makes sense because there's obviously CIA stuff in uh, yeah. Langley. So go ahead. But yeah, like I thought it was very impactful that while they were coming in, some of the astronauts made it a point, you know, they just spoke with um, like the like the white employees. And but John Glenn like specifically made it a point yep. to continue going and he introduced himself to these three ladies, right. which of course will make you know not a spoiler alert, but that's a very impactful moment that you'll see come to fruition later, right? And I thought that was so cool because it was like, wow, all it took, like, and that gives you hope for those moments, like, that's like that's a moment of hope where it's like. He could have easily just done what everyone else did. 
but he didn't. He did something completely different. And I think the the next moment I want to talk about kind of uh, is similar is that her conversation with her daughters. Like she's sitting in this room and like she's she's just talking to her kids about, you know, everything that she's doing. And like she just gives them such a a feeling of, hey, this world that we're in right now, this is what I imagine it to be. Not what it is, but she doesn't put that world that she knows can be out of perspective for them. She makes 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 it the focus. And it's like when you hear that, because I think sometimes, like, especially as parents, when we're raising our kids, sometimes we use our own personal experiences to teach them about certain situations. And sometimes unintentionally, we create a little bit of despair or lose a little bit of hope because we've had bad experiences rather than going, look, this happened to me, but that doesn't mean that has to be what your future existed. Right. Well, and I think when you, when you throw that in, Donnie, what it makes me think of instantly is once again, probably there, there are maybe a handful of great speeches in American history that like everybody knows, but I mean, gotta be in the last hundred years, the most famous is I have a dream. Martin yeah. Luther King Jr. Right, this idea of he's envisioning a world that at that point doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? And I think we can say in lots of ways, currently does not exist in our world, that a person would be judged fully on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And that this idea of, and and that's captivating. I mean, it captivated a nation, this idea of let's dream mm-hmm. and let's imagine a world that doesn't exist. And in some ways it's like, we teach kids not to dream in that way anymore. What we teach them to dream is like, go become a doctor or a lawyer and make yourself yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but like, let's not dream of a world where, where, where things are radically different. And when you say things, when kids say, well, what if we had a world um, that looked different? Like this whole point of the series we've been doing a little bit, right? We had the Paddington thing of like, what if prison looked different? Like, what if, you know, and we had this conversation uh, last week about in the heights and the kind of people who get highlighted in our in our society. What if all people got to be highlighted? What if everybody got to be treated as valuable? And let's dream about this. Let's imagine a world that is such a Christ-like kingdom attitude because yeah. Jesus teaches us to pray every day. Your kingdom come. And then that's this is the part. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven, Jesus is inviting us to imagine what if this world right now could look just like heaven? Because yeah. we know that what and, and that's what that's what we should be saying to kids. Because my kid said that of going, did this happen a long time ago? And I said, well, sort of like it happened yeah. 50 years ago, which for kids 50 years like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but like to be able to say to them, this took place. Mama and Papa were both alive. Yeah. So like they were little kids when this happened. It hasn't been that long. And then they ask, well, it's good that everyone gets treated the same now. And I get to say, well, not really. Yeah. It, it, there have obviously been huge improvements, but that we know that this world right now does not look like heaven. Yeah. And that our job is to imagine what if heaven came to earth and what can I do in my for them and with my friendships? Like yeah. when I go to school or, or the daycare or when I when I'm interacting with my friends, how can I be looking to say that's not right? What can I do to help? Yeah, because I love the fact that looking through the eyes of a child, it's so indicative of what could be. 
at a lot of times because we we are jaded by sometimes of our experiences and stuff like that. But they almost in a way see the kingdom the way it could be. They're like, well, we are treated that way. And it's like it's not because they have ex- haven't experienced anything. It's the fact that they experience it in a way of, well, I don't see anything different. This is my sister. This is my brother. These are my people. I don't understand what the problem is. Why don't people get that? And I'm like, if we took that, and I think that's why, like, when Jesus talks about, you know, if you turn, like, if you discourage the children, that is going to be something that is going to be terrible. Because I think that's what... Yeah, Jesus, Jesus would 100%. If you make it more difficult for a child to live in the kingdom of God, and that can include telling them, well, things don't ever get better, and that's just the way it is, so mm-hmm. that's the way it's always going to be. Th- th- Jesus says it'd be better that a millstone was hung around your neck that yeah. that that you would help this little one to sin, and we know that sin isn't just things you do, it's things you don't do. It's yeah. things you, Jesus, it's it's the sins that you commit and the ones that you omit, the things I should have done that I didn't do. And if if we create in our children's hearts, hey, some things are just bad and it'll never be better. So you have to just deal with it. Well, that, like you said, that Jesus goes, well, let's get that millstone ready. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Yeah. Anything else to say on that, Donnie? I think that's huge. I think these are great conversations, once again. And I don't think you have to have all these conversations with your kids. Yeah. I want to make that clear. I mean, we're, we're a few episodes in this. Donnie and I and Sawyer and, you know, when we have Heidi and Brandy and all different people on, when we're having these conversations, we hope to spark in you some thoughts that sure. you can have with your kids that you think on their level or in their environment or wherever that they need to hear to help shape their thoughts because – that is the beauty of movies is yeah. – and even in this movie, I think most of this movie is fairly uh, – everything happened pretty much as it actually happened. But we know even in movies like this, things are dramatized. Not everything happens in the exact way it happens. And so some people kind of go, well, it's not really true. No, the point of movies, the point of art is to help us to imagine what life could be like. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea of this is what happened here how do I bring this into the current? Because these problems didn't just end in 19, I think this is 1963. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I think so. I think yeah. that's in that range. So yeah, the, the, the problems didn't go away in the 60s. We still have problems today. Not the yeah. same, not the same exact ones, but can I imagine how we could have the, we could have our part to play? Yeah, absolutely. So one other thing I want to talk about that I think the movie hits on really good, and then we'll be done because we're running long. Uh, you thought maybe with, with less hosts we'd be shorter but it's me and donnie we're gonna talk a while (laughs) so here's the thing i want to talk about one i think this movie does a really good job of what there's a great book out there it would be a book for your kids but it's a book called subversive witness um and i looked it up but i can't remember it's by um dominique gillard i think is how you say his last name but i may be wrong but if you type in subversive witness you can find it and it talks about how to leverage um, different levels of privilege that all different people have. And you really see this in this movie where um, he talks about this idea of stackable privileges that mm-hmm. um, obviously in this situation, in this work environment, yeah. uh, uh, white men were at the top, right? They were yep. able, they were all the, everyone in a power position uh, was a white man. So they had that. But you also see in this, um, there was, there's the Kirsten Dunst character who is as a woman, 
is not treated with the level of respect she should, but mm -hmm. because she is a white woman, she's above the the uh, black women who work in the office. They have to work in a totally different office. It's a whole other thing. Yeah. And what you see is you see certain characters, John Glenn, you mentioned is this way, right? Of using his position of power and privilege yes. and, not, and not saying like, okay, well then I'm inherently bad because I, I have this, I'm going to be the first astronaut, so I can't do yeah. it. But he sees it as I'm the first man to orbit the the earth but i can make a difference for Catherine, right because at one point he says i want that woman yes. running my numbers if anyone else doesn't run my numbers she's the one and he points to saying i trust her she yeah. she 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 has value in this situation bring her in yeah, that was a that that kind of that moment gave me chills oh it's huge because when you when you're sitting here and this this person who is about to go in space Right. He hasn't he's only met this woman once, but he's seen the work that she's done. He didn't judge it based on hey what she looks like. Right. He said, "Look, this woman each and every time she's been in the the room to do this work, it's been spot on. I trust her." And like you said, he took he had a privilege to say, "Look, I'm going to make sure someone if this person's doing the best job, then that person should be the one that's doing the job." And because of that, she got the opportunity, you know, and you see that. And I'm like, that's that's so powerful because sometimes we don't think we have that ability to do certain things, but it's not always these magnanimous, like grandiose things. Sometimes it's just going, hey, look, there are three people in this room. That person does the best job. I don't care about anything other than the fact that they did the job and they did it correctly and they are the best at it. Yes. Well, and I think you see too in the movie what I think is great is because I think that's kind of the idea many of us think is, well, that is just what happens. The best person for the job always gets the job. But what we mm -hmm. see in this movie that John Glenn does so well is the scene you already mentioned where he's the only person willing to even notice them. Before yeah. he even sees what they can do, he just acknowledges this is a person this yeah. person has value. Why are we not talking to them? Like, why are we not? And so because he's willing to engage with people as people, mm -hmm. he's able to see her work and able to see that she's able to. And so I think that's the part that Jesus would say, right? We see that in Philippians 2. Jesus, though he was God, did not, he 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 uh, emptied himself of his divine privileges or mm -hmm. divine power, right? So that he could take on the humble nature of a servant right? Yep. And die a servant's death on a cross. This Philippians 2 passage, which tons of people have memorized. Um, it, that, and, and, and what Paul says is, you should have that same mindset. Yep. So when you find yourself in a position where you have privilege and power, don't use that to your advantage. Use it to elevate other people. Because what you see in the Kirsten Dunst character is here's a person who's caught between stackable privileges. Yeah, exactly. And she ends up using it to push people down. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't want Dorothy and uh, Catherine to advance, yeah. right? Because in her mind, if they advance, now I'm on the bottom rung. Yep. And she also kind of does in the way of, in a way she does a, it is what it is. Like not that things can change. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's almost this kind of strange dynamic to it. Because it's like, she is pushing them down. But is she doing it because she is like, feeling despair and lack of hope. Yeah. And had she had people that were giving her hope, would she have seen it differently? Would she yeah. have been elevating them? 
Well, and I think the huge part, so once again, in having conversations with our kids, I think you 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 can we can teach our kids everyone has different levels of where they are the person in a given environment where they are more privileged or more powerful or whatever. Everyone does. You have more influence. You have more relationships. You're not the new kid at school. Yeah. You're not the, you know, you just have more relationships. People know you, right? Uh, sometimes in school, if your brother was really good at something, uh, everyone just kind of goes, oh, that's so-and-so's brother. And they trust you inherently without even knowing you. Yeah. And so you're in a position already where you have power and privilege. And to be able to say to our kids, you need to be looking out for people who don't have the same advantages you have. Yeah. And like we said earlier, we see pull other people up. We are not to use our advantages to go, I'm I'm four steps ahead. Maybe I can get eight steps ahead. Maybe yeah. instead I go, maybe I can pull people up to my level. We can both be four steps ahead. And then eventually we're all on the same page. And it's yeah. it, that that being that Jesus says it's not a game that Christians do not take the, the 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 path of upward mobility, which the idea of how much farther ahead of you can I get? We yeah. go the route of downward mobility, and we say, how can I help other people get to the same place that I'm at, yeah. so that we all can benefit? Because it's often like the path that no one else is is walking on that path. Yeah, because you have to look at like it wasn't easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a quick path. Sometimes it's a quick route, you know, for having that opportunity to, to use the privilege, but sometimes it's slow, yeah. you know, because like you watch, like, cause even like with uh, Kevin Costner's character as the boss, like he has moments, he has some big moments, but he has some subtle moments where he's just watching and he doesn't react, but he's trying to figure out what he needs to do to make it better. And like, it's these little things, like the subtleties of like, hey, on the report, we're not going to put our name, you know, right. when, and it's like, but then eventually you get that subtle win of eventually her name is right there with it. And it's like, it's yeah. amazing. Well, and I think this movie shows the com complexities of that in that. John Glenn, Kevin Costner's character, these are people who have power and pri privilege and at times they use it to elevate other people, mm -hmm. right? But it's not this handout because yeah. Dorothy and Catherine and Mary still have to work harder than everybody else. So mm -hmm. it really shows the complexity of it's not like you're just giving handouts to people. Everyone is working together to make this thing happen. Exactly. And that it shows that this is the way the world changes. And I think that's huge is and I think that's an easy conversation to have with our kids. Now, the final thing I want to have the conversation about, because we are this might be our longest one yet, but I hope for you listening, this has been rewarding. It certainly has been rewarding for us to talk about. But I think the title of this movie has to be talked about because it's one of the reasons we chose it as a movie. This idea of hidden figures captures everything that really this movie's trying to get at, which is um, and really what we've been talking about when we talked about in the heights and what we're gonna be talking about next week um, is this idea that. There are there are kinds of stories that get told in movies and books, and there are kinds of people that get highlighted in those movies. And the stories we tell as a nation, the stories we tell of history, so real life stuff, or even our, our fiction that we tell, right? Mm -hmm. um, everyone sort of looks one way. And we talked about that in In the Heights. We're going to talk about this here. But it certainly works in Hidden Figures in that this could have been a movie about John Glenn. And yeah. it, there have been tons of space movies since the 1960s. We've been over 50 years, right? And there have been the right stuff. 
right? Uh, we've had everything from the right stuff to Apollo 13 to Tommy Lee Jones got to be in a movie called Space Cowboys and it's terrible. But <laughs> we let, but we have not heard this story before. Why? Mm-hmm. And that's the conversation I think is important to have our kids. Why do you think we don't hear these? these this story is amazing because this story is also about a first, yeah. right? And what, what firsts that we highlight as important is because this is why I think it's funny. What we know in this movie highlights that is America really treats ourselves as we're the first to do the space thing. Mm-hmm. But the Russians did get a satellite in first. And yep. they did get a man in first. And so we're already kind of rewriting the narrative to say, like, we're first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we're like, it's kind of like when my kids argue about things and they're like, well, I was the first here. And they're like, well, I was the first to put my right foot on this thing. Well, I was <laughs> the first to put my hand on. Th-. Like, okay, yep. those first seem a little silly at this point to be arguing over. Is yeah. it really the first person to get to space or is it the first person to orbit? Yeah. Or is it the first person to get to the moon? Or is it the first person to yeah. – we're having that. But what we know here is these are these firsts of Mary Jackson, uh, first woman in Virginia, right? A black woman in Virginia to go to all-white high school. Mm-hmm. Absolutely huge, right? That's I mean, that's pivotal for all sorts of things in our world, right? Yep. Not everybody's going to space, nope. but everyone's got to go to school. And and everyone deserves a quality of education, and all of those kind of things, right? We, we and then you have certainly all the first with Dorothy Vaughn and the computer and all of that kind of stuff. The so the question is, what kind? And I think to have with our kids, why are these women hidden in the in the history? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think it's when you have that conversation. I think, like you said, I think it's I think it's a brilliant way to put it is that helping them to understand why is this person hidden? Is it because their significance or their like con- contribution is less than? Yeah. Are they and, less important? Cause that's what it sounds like. John Glenn gets to go in parades. Exactly. Like, and they don't get to be paraded around to let them know, Hey, you made a big impact. And that's often what it is. There's a lot of unsung heroes. They're the people behind the people that do the work that make the other people look good. It's like the, like, the best thing I can think of off the top of my head is literally when you have things like a, a concert, you know, you have the front, you have the musician that sings and the, the instrumentalists and the musicians that play the music, but they don't sound good if that audio person doesn't know what they're doing. Right. They don't sound good if that, you know, if the acoustics of everything isn't put in a specific way, the stage design is not done right. But those are the people that you won't hear about, but you'll hear about a movie about, you know, hey, this rock star did this. And the same thing goes with this movie, Hidden Figures, is that you won't hear about often, you don't often hear about the story of, hey, this person made it where they figured out that John Glenn, the person that you know their name of, mm-hmm. didn't die in space when he came back into orbit. Right. But that's the most important thing because without her contribution, there wouldn't be a John Glenn headline. Yeah. And it's like, why is that hidden? Like, you wouldn't hide the directions to put together an, an assembly line for a vehicle. So why would you hide the most important parts that got, you know, a big pivotal moment in history away right. from our eyes? Well, and I think, I mean, they're not going to make a movie about every single thing that happens. So yeah. we can't, you know, we're not trying. We The conversation is, and it's not even a conversation to judge america or to judge judge the stories it's really a story about the kingdom of god and -hmm. it's a story be able to talk to our kids about in christ's kingdom 
every every story matters. Yep. And these kind of stories that we talk about, um, obviously there's limitations in our world. I get that. But it's to say, as followers of Jesus, the kind of stories we highlight and that we care about, they say something about the, the nature of our hearts. And we want to look for people who took stands for things that mattered and made and, and, and made a choice that mattered, and people who imagined a better world. And you can see that all over this movie from Katherine Johnson to John Glenn. Uh, all over, there are people who are working to make the world better. Yeah. That's what the kingdom of God is. And uh, that's what we want to be a part of. And so – I think these conversations are huge to have. Uh, but to not make it all serious, this movie's great. It's fun. It's yep. funny. It's emotional. You might cry a little. You're definitely going to laugh. You're definitely going to have a good time. Good for all ages, right, Donnie? Absolutely. Like, I, And I love the the soundtrack behind it. Is, oh, uh, wonderful. Such a great accompaniment that makes the um, every scene feel great. Like, um, There's one, I think it's called Run In by uh, Pharrell. And it's, oh, just, it's oh, part yeah. of that. It's It's so well done. It's so put together well like your family can enjoy this and have some great conversations absolutely so if you stuck with us to the end thank you so much uh i hope you watch this film with your family hope you guys have some great conversations and ultimately we want you to build memories because uh, at least for my girls this is actually context now for a future conversations we regularly uh, talk about things about how to make the world better and we can reference this movie and reference stories like ruby bridges and we can reference all of these kind of uh historical things to help us understand um, that we can we can be a part of history right now yeah. and not American history. We can be a part of the kingdom of God and the history God is trying to tell in this world. And we hope your uh, family gets to be a part of that too as you help teach your children to love Jesus and his way of life more than anything else. We will see you next time on the Family Movie Night Podcast.